I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How we doing? Today, we got Marcus Taylor on the show. Marcus, thank you for joining the show, my man. I appreciate y'all having me. It's it's good to have you. So um, for context, uh, Merchants of Change is a show for new sellers, people who are considering a career shift into sales. And you know our mission well at Shift Group. We, we, we help elite athletes and military veterans become elite sales professionals. Um, all of our podcast guests are former athletes or veterans who have found success in sales. Um, we kind of go through a flow where we talk about your sports career, your transition to the real world, and then we kind of finish off with some sales nuggets for our audience. So um, I want to start with your sports career. Um, and this is a pretty like intentionally broad question, but I, I, I really want to hear what, if I asked you what some of your favorite memories are of playing football, what would you, what, what, where does your mind immediately go? Yeah, immediately jumps to my sophomore year was the first year I started playing football, man, in, uh, in high school, actually, and getting knocked on my butt every time, not breathe, not being able to breathe out of the helmet, trying to figure out why I'm wearing these shoulder pads um, to actually, you know, getting the scholarship and, and winning a, a Patriot League championship my freshman year in college. I love it. I love it. That's a good shot at all my Holy Cross friends right there. Um, 100%. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was told to ask you about a bet that you lost. Um, oh, man. That started your career. Yeah, so my uh, one of my best friends, my godbrother, and I had bet. He's he was a great basket, uh, great basketball player. Refused to play basketball. I refused to play football. No one know if I'd be good or not. Um, so we we bet like, hey, let's run a forty. Let's see who can win. And if I win, you got to play basketball. If I lose, you got to play football. And I lost the bet. So I had to uh, <laughs> I had to go out and play football. And it's funny because our, our high school football coach used to call me Cupcake. Because I was big and I never played football. So he was happy to get me out on the field my sophomore year. Well, I don't, I don't think anybody's happier that you lost that bet than the Fordham coach and your Fordham team. So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, when, when Speaking of Fordham, like looking back at some of your favorite teammates at Fordham, what are like some of the traits and characteristics that come to mind and, and anybody that you would want to shout out as a, just a great teammate of yours? Yeah, man, there's so many guys that um, – there were great teammates that I, I learned a ton from. I think a, a few guys really would stand out. One is a uh, tag corner guy. He played cornerback for us. He was arguably the best person I was on the football field with, whether it be rookie camp or college. Um, and look, man, his, his attention to detail, his passion for the game, his, his him being a student of the game was, was pretty cool to see. Uh, and then another guy was, uh, we call him Q, Nikuin Gaines. He played linebacker, man. He taught me more just watching how he went about his day, how he went about film study, um, you know, how he led from the front than anyone else that I've been around. I think those two guys uh, pretty much stand out as, as who I tried to emulate as a leader and as someone to carry the baton of Fordham football. That's, that is so cool, man. Those, those, those folks that you look up to early on in your career are, are life-changing, dude. They um, are, man. How do you think, uh, you know, you were a two-year captain. How do you think your teammates would describe you from from those Fordham days? Man, I, I will hope they would say um, just a leader. 
right? Like, I, like man, I uh, I led passionately, um, and, and and essentially, you know, I believe in the saying, "Great, my mom, my dad, and, and everyone else to talk about it." Right, and it's just being gritty, resilient, enthusiastic, uh, ambitious, and tenacious. Right, and and I think. All those attributes I carry with me every day when I stepped on the field, whether it be film room, weight room, whatever it was. I just wanted to lead from the front and uh, and really put myself in a position to to have people follow what I'm saying and not just because I'm saying it. I love that. And 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 those, I mean, those traits. It's like you could replace football player with with salesperson. So like perfect, perfect uh, rundown there on that list. Um, yeah. Is is the is the Patriot League championship? Is that is that one of the the proudest you are the, from an accomplishment perspective, or is there something else that stands out? Yeah, I man, I think there's three things, right? Um, one was just getting a scholarship for football, to be completely okay. honest, man. Like, you know, JR, coming from the athletic background, to be able to go to school and, and play a sport that you, you love and it's free, right, which is crazy in this world, right? Like, and you get to do that. That, that was one. I think the second was winning a Patriot League title. Um, I was a freshman. You step into a program that's are, that's starting to build up. You have great leaders on the team. Um, they've been through adversity, and, and for them to, to come back and actually allow me as a freshman to get on the field and help out and contribute in little ways, that was pretty cool to see. And then the final one was, it sounds like a self-achievement, but it wasn't. I, um, I My sophomore year, I stepped into camp as a starter, and I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus, partially LCL, and pretty much everything. My knee exploded. Oh. And... Um, for me to get back on the field and actually have the career I had is probably one of my proudest accomplishments. But not because of me, it was because my teammates continued to encourage me. They came to rehab sessions with me. Like they wouldn't let me give up on myself, which you know instilled even more resilience in me to be the leader that I needed to be for them. That's that is an awesome story and and something you should really be proud of. And and on the scholarship side, dude, like the fact that you stepped in sophomore year of high school, basically had two seasons to earn it and you yeah. got it done. That's, I mean, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, looking back at, at football, do you have any like favorite, favorite coaches um, and any lessons that, that you kind of think about on like a daily weekly basis from those coaches? Yeah, man. Coaches. I had a high school coach, Norman Edwards. Um, dude was just great, man. Like he, he stepped in, he took over my junior year. So him and I kind of stepped in together and, and we, we took over at, at my high school. And, um, like his, he was very direct, very honest in what we were going to do, uh, how we're going to do it, how we're going to go about it. But his passion and conviction for the game were, 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 were there every day. Right. And his, uh, ability to relate to each individual on their level. Uh, and really inspire with something great. And then I got to college, and I was fortunate. In my redshirt senior year, I got to play for my D coordinator coach for Coochie, man. And this dude was passionate like no other. Uh, you know, to, like definition of defensive coordinator, he's going to be honest, he's going to be ruthless, he's going to be direct with you, but he cared about you, right? And he cared about everyone's success and put us in a position to be great. And then I actually have one more that I just thought about, my strength coach. Coach Jason George, he was, uh, him and I have a great relationship, man. And, and he helped me become the person I was, as you know, in the offseason, that's where you win. The season is one part, but the offseason is where you win. And his commitment to us and, and pushing us and, and uh, getting us to places we never thought we'd get to were, were huge. I, I One thing that always is, is discounted when, when we're like marketing our, our athletes, I always talk to the sales leadership and I'm like, listen, one thing that you're going to get with these kids is there they have access to great leadership 
their whole lives because mm -hmm. those dudes, like my father was a 25 year high school hockey coach. And, and I run into people now that are in their forties and fifties that tell me how big of an impact my dad had on them. Um, so and awesome. it's just, it's just so cool. And, and you don't appreciate it, especially like the coaches you're talking about, the, the candid ones, sometimes that sometimes candid can hurt a little bit when you're, when you're in it, but then you look back and you're like, thank God that he talked mm -hmm. to me that way. You know what I mean? So that is awesome. Um, and we just had a strength coach on our, our, uh, podcast a few weeks ago. He was a strength coach at the Citadel for 15 yep. years. And those guys are beasts, man. <laughs> <laughs> they are like, you got to be ready to go. You got to be oh, ready to go. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, so you're, you're playing at Fordham, unbelievable yeah. school. You're in, you know, the New York city area. And I bet you're just dreaming about becoming a salesperson, right? <laughs> how did, That's it, man. <laughs> how did you, uh, How'd you find sales? Were there other pa career paths that you explored? Yeah, look, I, I, my, my thought going to Fordham was two, two thoughts, right? One, I was going to be a, a teacher and a football coach in high school. Um, the other thought was, and primary thought was, I would be a color-by-color -color analyst uh, for, really? for sports, right? Because Fordham has an unbelievable program, yes. right? I mean, yeah. a lot of the guys you're seeing on TV call these games are from Fordham. Um, you get to Fordham, you fast forward, and you realize, hey, our schedule doesn't align. With that masters, with that that's that uh that prop that uh that opportunity. So, from there, man, I got into business administrations, uh, double majored in communications as well, and really started pushing to figure out where I was going to be. Network with our alumni base, trying to understand what they were doing, how they were working. My junior year hits, and I'm starting to get conversations about possibly making it to the next level. At that point, mindset shifted, and it went to how do I go all in. I'm trying to get here, right? Um, making sure my grades were so great, but the goal was to try to, you know, get to that level. Um, fortunately, I, I got to rookie camp. Um, my dream wasn't their dream, so it ended kind of quick. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was good to get there and, and to see it and experience it and bounce around and, and try to make that level, make it to the next level. Um, from there, man, I went into strength coaching. I did insurance sales. I bounced at bars in Manhattan, just trying to find my footing and understand where to go and. Uh, finally got when the insurance kicked in, I worked on wall street, did that transition to Stanford, Connecticut, worked across from indeed for six months, seven months, talked to all those guys and girls. And they're like, you should come interview. Finally took the interview. And that's how I got into the tech sales and, and fell in love with it. That's amazing. Now those early days of your sales career, was it like when you transitioned, um, was it an immediate fit for you? Miserable. It was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> It was hard, man. Right. Like totally you're coming in, you're coming into a setting. Um, you don't know it, right. You aren't comfortable. You haven't been in that position before. Um, you, you're pretty much in a fight or flight mode, right. As the beginning of your sales career and, and you got to figure it out. You got to revert back to the skills and the habits that made you successful in, in the athletics uh, universe. And, and I did that. Right. But the first few months, first few weeks, like quarters, man, were a dog fight for me every day to just digest, understand, learn, uh, get acclimated with the new processes and, and, and really uh, position myself to be successful. It's, it's so true, man. And like, I honestly think like that uncomfortable feeling is something that you're kind of used to by the mm -hmm. time you get there as an athlete. Right. But like you literally have to drink from a fire hose on knowledge. Yep. Your, your skills aren't like that good. So you're, you're, you're failing a lot. 
Um, and it's even if you're phenomenal at it, it you're still failing a lot because that's yeah. just the nature of the career. So you know, fighting through that first year is, is, is that's the difference, man, between long term and, and going and being an accountant somewhere. Um, it is. When you look back at those early days, anything that you wish you could kind of have a second chance at or anything you'd do over if you had the chance? Nothing, man. Nothing. I, you know, I hear a lot of people say, like, I would go back and change it. If I change anything, I'm not talking to you today. Right. So I, you got to go through the, the, the pitfalls. You got to go through the excitements. You got to go through the ebb and flows. You got to take your lumps. You got to learn how to do the process and um, and accept it. Right. You got to look in the mirror and understand your shortcomings and how you overcome it and, and how you're able to implement to the successes you got and, and really move forward. So I wouldn't change anything because it derailed where I'm at today. So it's, it's more of a, hey, you take them as learning, you take them as lumps. Encourage other people and you keep going. I love that. I love that. That's my maybe my favorite answer ever because it's so true, man. We are we are what we've been through, right? So mm -hmm. you ch you change anything you've been through and you're not going to be who you are. So I love exactly. that. I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this. So you know you got a football a football player from Fordham calls you mm -hmm. and they're thinking about sales. They're like, hey, I heard you can make a lot of money. I heard there's some flexibility. Um, you know what questions. Are you asking them to, to try to help them like really decide if, if sales is a good fit for them? Yeah, I think the first question I'm asking is why sales? Right? Like, I, I want them to really be able to explain why they want to get into this world. Right. Um, I think from there, it's going to be like, what's their why? Like, what motivates you? Don't give me the fluff answer. Right. Like, explain to me, like, what's your why? What's the real driver behind it? Um, and then I want them to be able to articulate like what excites them about the opportunity and what concerns them most about it. They can answer those questions. I feel like you're on a path to where all right, you can actually see that they see a vision and where they're going. If they're struggling or they're giving fluff answers and it's not just, you know, direct or it's not passionate about it, sales is not going to be the career for them to transition into. It's, it's so true. And, and, and that's why, like, I think that question, that first question you said about why sales, if it, you know, it's, it's hard to answer that when you're, when you're in college, right? Like, yep. so, so you do have to like, you do have to do a little self-discovery and a little career discovery to really understand yourself and what's out there. And, and once you do that, you should be able to answer that question. Like you said, passionately, um, because sales is hard as hell. The first year or two absolutely sucks. So if you don't have a good why about why you're in it and you don't have a good, like, reason for being like a purpose which is what you're talking about what drives you it's it's it ain't gonna be fun it ain't gonna yeah. be a fun couple of years for you so that's <laughs> it's really be, yeah it's gonna be miserable jr and look i think even as you're coming out like i'm not expecting you to have a home run answer but some answer as far as like why sales and passion for you right like why you feel like this is a natural next transition for you because honestly i i couldn't answer that when i came out and that's why i didn't succeed originally right so it's like Hey, make sure this is where you want to be um, in some world. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to execute. Just like when you stepped on the football field the first time or the hockey rink or whatever. You weren't great the first time, right? But you were able to, to actually hone your skills, get better, and understand why this is a passion for you, why you want to do it. Totally. And, and, and passion comes with work because as you get better at anything, you start to, mm -hmm. you start to get passionate about that thing. Um, yep. So you have this combo. Kid's a good fit. What, what are you telling them to look for? in the first role, the first company, yeah. like where, where's a good, what's good look like for that first sales job, in your opinion, from a company perspective and an opportunity perspective? 
Look, I think it's it's going to be them doing some due diligence, right? Finding an industry that they're excited about, right? Um, it's like finding that university you're excited to go to, right? Like you got to find something that that's intriguing you, that's pulling you, that you get really happy and, and and you feel good about going to do. Because if you believe in it, you can actually sell it and you can actually become successful and learn it. Um, I think the next thing is understand their their training and development program. Right. You don't want to go somewhere that doesn't have that support and you get this job and now you're just standing out here on your own two legs trying to figure it out by yourself. And there's no additional coaching. There's no additional outlets. There's no additional resources for you to thrive in. Um, and then the final thing I'd be like, is it a culture fit for you? Right. Like that, that's an extremely, extremely important piece to all of this. Like if you can't go there and envision yourself being there, which you take a job just to take it. You're in a, in a for a world of hurt. To your point, not only is the first year going to be tough, but now you're dealing with a culture that you just don't fit in, in and, and you're you're just miserable all around. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 a lot of that you can learn in the interview process by literally just by meeting the hiring manager and, yep. and understanding what what type of organization are they trying to build? What's the environment they want to they want their team to live in and and decide if that's the right environment? It's just like picking a college that 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 first coach is so important. Yes, so important. So important. Yeah, um, it is. Now, you, you, we, th- we talk a lot about skill development, right? Because I always think like, you know, there's attributes and, and characteristics that can make you successful. And then there's skills and knowledge. And skill development mm-hmm. is something that an athlete can relate to. And, you know, when you're in an environment like we are right now, um, it's, it's tough on sellers. What do you think like a, a new seller coming into this, this market should really be focused on from a skill development perspective. Yeah, I think um, the number one thing would be communication skills for me, right? Yeah. Uh, what we're doing right now is never going to go away, right? I know we have AI and we have everyone talking about all these different trends and people are going to disagree with my thought process on it, but people are going to buy from people, right? And if you can't communicate, if you aren't emotionally intelligent enough to understand how to court, you know, how to, to pivot and how to make sure you, you see where this person's coming from and be able to listen and be able to respond. You're not going to be successful in any field, man. So communication skills would be the biggest thing I would say, Hey, let's build on that. I think another skill that we don't talk about enough is asking for help. Yes. Right. Like you gotta be willing to say like, I'm not great at this right now. I need assistance, right? I need help. I need, I need some guidance. Like if you do that, I feel like that's a skill in itself to really help you, uh, promote yourself and, and really get you to where you need to get to. Um, I think the final thing is, is the way you and I got connected, networking, right? Like, how are you networking? How are you, how are you like getting out of your comfort zone and talking to people that you probably haven't talked to, but are should be talking to and should be in your network and should be communicating with? Um, and then I think I, I, I tied it all in together with my grandfather used to tell us all the time, man, five Ps, old military guys. And I think he's in the military for like 40 years, something crazy. And uh, he used to tell us all the time, prior preparation prevents poor performance. Um, so if you're out there, man, and you prepare like you should prepare, there's no way you're not going to be able to excel. So, you know, give an example. If you go in and we have a game on a Saturday or a Friday or whatever it is, and you aren't in there watching extra film, you aren't getting that extra lift in, you don't understand what their third down formations are and so on and so forth. And you go out on Saturday and expect to perform, you're delusional. You got to go out there and prepare. So when you get into that interview or you get into that call with that, that client or that prospect, You've already won. You're just excited to share your information, excited to share where you are and, and how it's going to benefit them. And, and you kind of go from there. So the five P's tie communication, um, asking for help and networking in together for me. I love that. We always try to find a nugget to name the episode after. And I think we just found it. The five P's. I love that. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. I'm saying it again yes, so everybody yes, can hear it. Um, 
So Marcus, you spent some time, you know, building, building sales teams, right? Um, I'm curious to know, like for this audience, I think what they, what would be valuable for them to hear from someone like you is what are you looking for in potential team members when you're in that type of role? Yeah, look, I think uh, work ethic is one, right? Like you said at the beginning, when we first started talking, there's no replacement for work ethic. None. Like, I don't, I don't care what you do, how you try to spin it. Like work ethics got to one, got to be coachable. Um, you got to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, and I think the final piece is, is you got to be, you got to be willing to always step out of your comfort zone in order to receive and be able to deliver on a different level. And, that, and I think that and like will really embrace, excuse me, really bow well for your team and everyone will embrace you, will embrace everyone. And it really will build a, a really cool dynamic within your team. I love it. I love it. And, and on the other side of it, right, the candidate yeah. is meeting these leaders. Like yeah. what, what's, what are some good examples of like what they should be looking for in the, in that leadership that they're going to go work for, you think? Yeah, man, I think it's a clean culture. What I mean by that is like, is there a safe space for every individual to be themselves? Right. I hear everyone say like, hey, bring 100 percent of self to work. I don't think everyone brings 100 percent, but you bring 80 to 75, 80 percent of yourself to work. I think that's a, that's a big win for you to be able to have that space. Um, someone who's consistent in what they're doing um, and someone who holds everyone accountable to the same standards, but also is a realistic leader that's sympathetic. Hundred percent. Yeah, that that sympathy is big, and and that consistency is huge because you don't want to go guardrail to guardrail. No. Every single day on on what good looks like or what expectations, values, and standards are. So those things need to be absolutely consistent from your leadership because then you can build everything else off of that. Hundred um, percent. Always. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but always something else to add, Jr. Always tell everyone whether you're interviewing, whether you're not. Like, ask what that person's non-negotiables are. What are your top three non-negotiables? Right, because you know you're gonna get your KPIs. But if I understand what your non-negotiables are outside of the KPIs, I understand what I need to do to be successful. And I'm also looking for that from my point of view as well. Like if, if there's a candidate coming in to interview, like what are their non-negotiables in this next opportunity? Right? Like that's just a really powerful question to ask on any format, in any form, because you get to really understand the impact that you're gonna be able to have or not have. And if someone can't answer that, for me that's a red flag already. Like I don't know if, what my non-negotiables are. Like, well, we should probably think through this a little bit more on both sides. That's such a good question, dude. I've never, I've never heard that, but I love it. Like, I love that question. That's really, that will tell you so much about a candidate and a leader. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Uh, Maybe we're changing the, uh, changing the name already. (laughs) All right. I'm excited. I want to get into your new coaching business. I, 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 I looked, I read through your LinkedIn post and the mission is to empower underrepresented minorities in achieving their personal and professional goals. Deeply committed to providing the confidence, self-awareness, structure, and action-oriented guidance needed for success. Talk to me a little bit about what, what this coaching business is all about. Yeah, man. Look, I, as, as underrepresented minority coming into the, the, to the sales world, right? And just the tech space in general, man, um, it's tough, right? There's no other way to say that, right? There, there's not a lot of minorities in it. Um, you look around, you're one of, or you're the only one on your team. Um, it's really hard to find people that you can relate to on certain levels, right? Um, we talked about bringing your whole self to work. Like most individuals aren't bringing even close to 70% of themselves because they're worried about how it's going to be judged or, or thought through or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and I think just the, the amount of microaggressions and imposter syndrome that you fight on a day-to-day basis um, 
it's tough and it's challenging and it's 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 uh it feels as if you're running in quicksand at times, right? So for me, just being able to go through those experiences, overcome those challenges, um, become a sales leader, become a VP, get to leadership team, um, you just realize that there's so much more of an impact you can have on individuals as you're having these conversations in companies and, and within their DEI team. So for me, the mission was simple. Let me help drive more awareness and help these people unlock their their personal and professional goals um, as opposed to trying to teach you how to sell. I don't want to teach you how to sell. I want to teach you how to do everything else behind selling so that you can really be productive, be excited, and really feel good about who you are, where you are, and what you're accomplishing. It's it's so awesome, and it's, and it's why we connected so well from the jump because a byproduct of what Shift Group is doing is – you know, I think the easiest way to say it is there's a lot of people that look like me in this space. That's mm. that's just factual, right? And there's there's a lot of lip service um, and kind of box checking around mm. these DEI initiatives. What do you think? Um, and I'm curious to know this because because I get asked it a lot. Like, what can companies do to create real impact for the underrepresented minorities that you're going to be working with moving forward? Yeah, I think you said it, man. Stop checking the box. We're not a box, right? That's that's not that's not what we are, right? Like the initiative is the initiative, but if the initiative doesn't have a purpose behind it, then it's pointless, right? And and I think that's where we are right now. And I think a lot of companies really have to understand the impact that having a more diverse uh, gender or ethical team can do, right? Like um, like when when you look at it, a gender diverse team is twenty five percent more likely to outperform a non gender diverse team. A ethically diverse team is 36% more likely to outperform a team, right? And that's because we have more innovation. There's more thoughts. There's more, uh, you know, ideas coming through. There's, there's more conversation. There's quicker decision making. There's, there's a more robust crowd that you're, you're targeting. But more importantly, you're actually giving people opportunity that should have an opportunity and you're removing yourself from a dynamic that's just going to your comfort zone and just continuing to bring in same people from the same universities because there's a plethora of, of talent everywhere, but we're just not, we're not looking for it. Those stats are unbelievable. I mean, if that isn't enough to, to get a, a chief revenue officer to change their ways, then I don't know what the hell is, right? Like that's, yeah. that's powerful. Um, and, and just to take a step back on the authenticity thing, one of the things that we talk about in our pro, we have, really like four core values, um, accountability, authenticity, coachability, and resilience. Like that's, that's our work. We, we don't charge anybody a dollar and our expectation is that's their, their payback to us. And when I talk about authenticity, I say, listen, I am a fast talking, aggressive kid from Massachusetts. The last thing that I want to do is create a bunch of little JRs. Nobody wants that, trust me. <laughs> but the goal of our, and, and I'm imagining your coaching is similar. It's about in order to be authentic, you have to be confident. In order to be confident, mm -hmm. you have to prepare. So that's the idea is like you need to bring yourself to this role, especially sales, right? People hate inauthentic salespeople. The only way you can get to that authenticity is by being really, really confident in your brief, like what you're supposed to be an expert on. If you're an expert, it's like, if I asked you about defensive coverages, you're gonna be able to talk about it like yourself because you know it so well. That yep. same thing will come across if you know your product so well that you'll still be able to talk about it as yourself. Do you, do you agree with that kind of, that hot take there? 
Yeah, no, 100%. You, you got to be confident and you got to be diligent in everything you're doing, right? And I think you and I touched on it. And again, you and I, you're right. That's how you and I connected. Like we, we both understand that part of the process, right? And I think to go back to your question is what are companies doing? And I touched on it before, like companies aren't divulging enough into continued education to where someone can be that confident, right? Like there is something so simple, but you talk to a ton of candidates, right? And I talk to a ton of people every day now and their leaders aren't coming in just asking how you're doing, right? Like something so simple. It's more like, hey, tell me about this number. There's right. real life things happening every day, right? It, it's yeah. just some simple, simple like switches can really help drive the dynamics and, and the, the buy-in of the team. The other thing is I've talked to 10 candidates, no lie this week, and they've all made it to the final round of interview and none of them got the job, underrepresented minority candidates. And you look back on LinkedIn about who got the job and it's a white male. So it's more of a, hey, stop, again, stop playing the game. Stop putting people through the process to say we have minority candidates in. If they're not really a viable opportunity for the job, let's not, let's not continue to perpetuate the situations that are going on. Let's figure out how to, to drive more awareness like you're doing in your platform, like I'm doing with mine. And let's figure out how to work with companies that are really excited about driving more underrepresented minorities within their teams to drive more diversity, drive more innovation, and really represent more success. 100%. And, and, and listen, the first step, for these folks is finding people like you that look like them, right? Um, and and that that mentorship that you're offering is huge. Are, are there, you know, I I found myself landing in this kind of space because of the people that impacted me in mm -hmm. my career, and I wanted to, you know, give back. I was taught, you know, first you learn, then you earn, then you return the favor, and that's exactly where you are in your stage of your career. Do you have mentors that you look back on in your career that that had that meaningful impact on you? Yeah, I mean, I have mentors and colleagues, to be honest. Um, two mentors stand out. One is, uh, I call him Judge still, but Bobby Holman in, uh, from New York, Fordham alum. Uh, he, look, man, he was great. My freshman year on to the point of networking. I, I made it a point. He came and spoke to the team. I made it a point to go introduce myself. And him and I have had a relationship like no other ever since, right? Like he's a very direct, I've struggled and he's been very honest with me about why I'm struggling with certain things, right? And uh, <laughs> he's been very honest with me about career moves. Uh, he's been at my wedding. He knows my, like he's close to my kids. Like he's someone who's extremely important and extremely viable in every decision that I make. I go to Indeed and I probably work for the best leader that I have outside of sports, Pete Zates, right? Um, and if you have a chance, this is a plug for him, but if you have a chance to work for him, I would definitely advocate for everyone getting out, getting there, working with him. Um, he's great, man. Like he gets it. He understands. He, he's an empathetic leader. He listens. He's accountable. He's consistent. Like he's what you need in order to be able to thrive and excel. And most importantly, he's just a really good person. Right. So before I made this move, he's one of the people I called him and him and judge to really figure out what they thought and kind of get their ideas and, 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 um, and insight because I valued him so much. Um, as far as colleagues go, I have a guy, Martin Farrell, who's an unbelievable leader, actual former football player as well. Um, but he just, he, he's, he's a, he's dynamic man in the way he looks at the business and the way that he drives revenue and, and really drives diversity within his teams, uh, is, is remarkable. Um, and I could just keep going on, but those are three that I really say like, Hey, you know, these three individuals have impacted me, will continue to impact me. And, um, it's just excited about. I, I love it. I love it. And, and the, the recurring theme between your athletic mentors and your business mentors is that candor. And I think you've got to appreciate that, right? People get confused between mm -hmm. kindness and candor. You can be kind to someone and still say something they don't want to hear. 
Yeah. Um, that's actually being kind to someone because if you're bullshitting them that it's yeah. all rainbows and butterflies, that's not kind. You're you're hurting no. that person in the long run, right? Yeah, you're not setting them up for success, man. You got to understand, like, there's a big, like, there's obstacles. And if I'm not telling you about these obstacles you're going to face, I'm telling you, you're great. This is awesome. You're doing an awesome job. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm BSing you, man. And um, me and you both are going to fail at that point. Totally. Totally, man. Um, so uh, kind of final closing questions here, Marcus. We, and we ask every guest these two questions. The first one is we ask our guests to highlight one skill that's that's really made you elite as a salesperson. What what would you say your one like elite skill is that you've used in your career? Man, that's a good question. I think um my emotional intelligence, right? Like I think when when you look at it, right, you, you got to be able to understand when you got to motivate. Um you got to really be able to pinpoint and and really define when you want to really drive and really understand the push pull, um, when to network, when to um, evaluate yourself, when to look in the mirror. Like just my ability to be that person and be able to adjust when I need to, I think has really separated me and allowed me to be a good leader, um, athletically and in the business world. I love it, that, and that's such a critical that EQ man. You can't like you can't discount that enough, especially in sales, and especially if you want to grow. I don't even care if you're not a salesperson. If you want to grow in your career and move into leadership and, and the executive suite, like having that EQ is a is a game changer. Yeah. Um, my dad used to tell us when we were little, uh, Marcus, he used to say, listen, a lot of people play hockey. There's not a lot of hockey players. And <laughs> what he was trying to get into our head is this idea of like approaching things like a true professional, mm -hmm. right? And and I always, when, I, when I've met great salespeople, when we have a kid that that I can tell is going to be a future VP, a future CRO, I, I call them a pro. I'm like, this kid's a pro. And I think that's the highest praise you can give a salesperson is calling them a pro. I want to know from your end, what does being a pro in sales mean to you? Uh, this is my saying. So if anyone's worked for me, and I, I'm hoping they're all listening to our conversation, they've heard me say it, right? It's uh, control your controllables. That's your uh, effort, attitude, and energy. Right. Like only you can control the effort that you put in, um, the energy and the attitude that you bring to every day. So if you're committed to being one percent better, I think you put yourself in a hell of a spot to win every every situation that you're in. Um, but I think with that it comes you being diligent, um, comes you being confident, comes you being eager, um, excited to learn, um, passionate about the situations and the opportunities in front of you um, and accepting of your, your failures and your shortcomings and willing to actually embark on a journey to get better at it. We, we're going to have a hard time naming this episode, buddy. That, I mean, <laughs> control the controllables, effort, attitude, and energy. I mean, dude, I'm like ready to run through a wall right now. I love it. I can't agree more. And, and, and that like shows up, dude, right? Your effort, attitude, and energy is obvious, but the controlling the controllables, it's like, you you're not you might not have a great meeting, but yeah. you can control how you go into that meeting from a preparation. That's like a, a perfect example that ties in everything you've talked about. Um, I love it, dude. Marcus, this is like hashtag required listening right here, buddy. Thank you so much for giving us your time and joining us. We're, real quick, we don't usually do this, but I, you're, you're just launching the business. Can you tell our audience where they can find you? Yeah, right now it's uh, MarcusTaylorCoaching.com. Uh, websites up, it's running, 
book your free consultation. Excited to work with everyone, get to know everyone and uh, working on my Instagram now. So hopefully that'll be out later this week. Yeah. And, and our audience, especially existing candidates, you're going to be seeing some Marcus-based content in the university and be able to see his contact information so you can go find him directly. So keep your head on a swivel for that. Marcus, thank you so much. JR, I appreciate it, man. And real quick, shout out to you, man, for, for doing this. I think it's an amazing platform. Um, excited to be a part of it and uh, really excited to work with you as we continue on into the future. Appreciate you, buddy. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.